John and Sam in Japan, the international comedy podcast. Theme tune time. Let's go, John. John and Sam in Japan. John and Sam in Japan. John and Sam in Japan. I told you there's no way I'm singing. Come on. John and Sam in Japan. John and Sam in Japan. Yeah. John and Sam in Japan. Never gonna happen. And put your clothes back on, it's just weird. Ah, never! John and Sam in Japan, the international comedy podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Sam. Alright, so we're not doing the two Ronnies thing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, I, we can do it. Okay. <laughs> Are you up for it? Yeah. Okay. He's John. And he's Sam. And this is John and Sam in Japan. The International Comedy Podcast. Episode three. Yeah, we've got quite a way to catch up to Mark Maron, I think. Uh, yeah, how many episodes has he done? I think he's about 900. All right. You know, but he does it by himself, whereas we're a, a double act, if you will. And what do you mean by that? Uh, I think we'll definitely be sick of each other long before we get to 900 <laughs> episodes. <laughs> Why? Do I do something that annoys you? Uh, no, well, don't know. How about your emails? <laughs> what about my emails? They're very passive-aggressive. <laughs> well, it's better than being aggressive. Oh, true. But I mean, you uh, you send me emails where you refer to us both in the third person. John has to do this, Sam has to do that. It's pretty weird. Yeah, I'm just trying to make it uh, easy for you to understand. I know. But you always put my name in bold capitals, which is just mental. Yeah, that's because I'm trying to encourage you to do the jobs. Do you do them? Well, I don't know. But anyway, so what do we have lined up for episode three? It's a packed show. We have an interview with Mike Staffer of the Pirates of Tokyo Bay, some stand-up comedy from Egyptian-Irish comedian Zara Barry, and the answer to this week's burning question, what's the biggest cultural faux pas you've ever made? Sounds good. Yeah, but first, this... This is JNSNJ News. In this section of the show, John and I will bring you some news stories that you might have missed. Yep, and so if anybody's got any news stories that you think are not getting the credit they deserve, you can send them to us on Facebook, Twitter, or johnandsaminjapan.com. Okay, so let's get started. What have you got? Uh, this is a story from Rally in North Carolina, so on the internet, and so a man pretending to be a three-star U.S. Army general wanted to impress a woman, and so he uh, landed a helicopter at her place of work last year. Hang on. So he was trying to impress a woman, mm-hmm. so he was going to be a general, and then he landed a helicopter. Where she worked. Right. Where, where uh, did she... I hope she didn't work. She worked she, at some... Uh, children's t- hospital. No, it's a technology company. And <laughs> right. So he's facing... He's 57 years old. He's charged with pretending to be a military officer, which carries a maximum of three years in prison. Oh, wow. And also a $250,000 fine. So, yeah, he, he decided for some reason to land this uh, helicopter on a soccer field. At her, football. Football. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's an American newspaper yeah, story. Yeah. yeah. And he said he turned up in full military battle dress, uh, displaying three stars that implied he had a rank of lieutenant general. He said... So he's gone all out. He's, he's gone out. He's gone all out. He said he saluted the security officers and they actually saluted him back. Wow. But then a suspicious security supervisor confronted him and he told uh, them... That's why he's the supervisor. Yes. He told them that he was there to pick up a female employee to take her to Fort Bragg for a classified briefing. That been, <laughs> classified debriefing. <laughs> yeah, that had been authorised by President Trump. Um, although it could... Fair. Yeah, yeah. possibly could have happened. <laughs> One um, of the less strange things perhaps he's done. <laughs> so the woman, she was a long-time acquaintance of this guy. Uh, she expected him to arrive in a car for an outing in, uh, they'd planned. 
uh, but he turned up in a helicopter. She was already married and said she had no idea that he was going to do this or why he was involved in this strange behaviour. She didn't know what to make of it, but she just went along with it. Wow, so she got in the helicopter? Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, I don't know. If you let, Let's say, not saying uh, you're going to come and whisk me off my feet, but if you turned up at my place of work in a helicopter, I know that you don't have a helicopter. Yeah. I, I'd be pretty reluctant. I'd probably have to call a doctor if, yeah. I, if, if that happened. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't trust to get in a helicopter with you. I, don't think. <laughs> uh, I mean, this guy, by the time, he just sounds like an absolute renegade. He, uh, he said he, he was uh, in... He works out of his home as a car mechanic, and he was yeah. uh, wearing. Also, hang on, he's not a three-star general. <laughs> no. So he said he was wearing an orange and white striped jail jumpsuit and orange flip-flops when he appeared in court. <laughs> uh, so he'd lost his uniform. Then. Yeah, I think, yeah. So have you ever done anything to uh, impress a woman? <laughs> well, I feel like I haven't tried hard enough, actually. No, um, no the no. I, I remember. We would say, like, occasionally we'd make up a job that would make me sound, you know, make you sound better than your real job was, firefighter or something. But he's, you know, <laughs> I never turned up in a fire engine. <laughs> this is JNSNJ News. So, shall I tell you my story? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, please. So, what have I got here? Uh, Last week was, what, Chinese strippers? <laughs> We've had Chinese strippers. At funerals. <laughs> At funerals. This one, they were coming back to Japan this week uh, for my story. And this was Japan. The title is Japan Hunt for the Deadly Fugu Fish. Oh, okay. Sold in error by a supermarket. It's not one of the catchier titles. Don't think it was a tabloid. Uh, this was on The Guardian. It says, A Japanese city has activated an emergency warning system to alert residents to avoid eating locally purchased blowfish after a mix-up saw toxic parts of the delicacy go on sale. And Japan does have these warning systems. They're normally used for uh, earthquakes and you know, tsunamis yeah. and things like that. Old people who've got lost. Yeah, sometimes you hear that. Bing bong. There's an old woman wandering the street, <laughs> yeah. which I always think is kind of a bit of a, a indication to potential robbers. Yeah. <laughs> Someone who doesn't know where they are is wandering the streets, go and take their purse. Um, which is something we don't advocate, of course, on this show. <laughs> so, yes, at a supermarket in Gamagori in central Japan sold five packages of fugu fish without removing the livers, which contains the deadly poison. Um, and this is the kind of like the, the Russian roulette part of, the, of it. It says uh, three of the potentially lethal specimens have been located, but the other two remain at large. Right. So I'm saying that if you're in Gamagori at the moment and you're still eating... Fugu, you're blowfish. probably not listening to this podcast. <laughs> you know, you... <laughs> probably got some Chinese strippers at your feet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Have you ever eaten fugu? No, and I've been in Japan a long time, and I've yeah. never had it. I've, uh, I've had it. It just tastes like normal fish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been English. Our appreciation of the different types of fish uh, compared to Japanese people. It's always just oh, it tastes like fish, especially because just cover it in soy sauce and wasabi <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah the uh the subtle flavors of the fish is certainly lost once you put a little bit of wasabi on it, <laughs> it blows your head off it's better than dropping dead from eating poison <laughs> <laughs> yeah it says uh, in the article it said uh, japanese chefs are required to obtain a special permit to prepare the fish which is not surprising because in japan you need a special permit to do, <laughs> to do absolutely everything. <laughs> everything. Yeah. yeah. It said uh, several people in Japan are killed each year mm. by incorrectly prepared fugu. 
uh, with dozens more people suffering non-fatal side effects. Um, right. So, yeah, if you're eating fugu or the blowfish out there, yeah, take care is what I would say. So it's weird. Well, you know, a couple of people die from eating fugu and there's always quite a few people die from eating the rice cakes every year. The old yeah. people choking to death. So, you know, more people die of food injuries or whatever than gun deaths in this country. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Well, what I think they should probably do is the people who are well, dying from fugu is that everyone should be given fugu. <laughs> makes sense doesn't it no <laughs> why no that's the current uh, gun policy in America oh right oh, okay. <laughs> with the teachers so just give everybody fugu give everyone fugu <laughs> so you can fight fugu with fugu right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll work <laughs> Now it's time for an interview. So who have we got lined up on this episode then, Sam? Uh, we're featuring Mike Staffer, who founded the Pirates of Tokyo Bay in 2010. It's an uh, improv comedy group. He also founded the Pirates of the Dotonbori in Osaka in 2005. So you can see he likes a nautical theme for his uh, improv groups. Uh, Mike tours globally as an improv actor and instructor. He's done TED Talks. He's performed in Southeast Asia, Europe, America. He's all over the place. He's one of the hardest working comedians there is. This interview is really interesting. I think you're going to enjoy it. Yep, good stuff. So, Mike. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time today. Uh, you're busy. You've got a show tonight, so we are literally imposing. No worries. Yeah, thanks for having me. What's going on? Like, Yeah, we have our monthly show uh, here in NBC of What the Dickens. It's a Japanese-English bilingual show. It's short form improv, and we've we've been growing our audience. We've been seeing a lot of mixed couples come, and they kind of want to see the show and see if they both can laugh together at the same thing. How long have you been running this show? Uh, in Tokyo, we've been running this show. We just had our seventh anniversary last November, uh, so we're going into our eighth year here in Tokyo. Wow! Yeah. So you've been going some time. Yeah, and then in Osaka, we've been going for eleven years, if right. my math is correct. And yeah. you started that that uh, the what the pirates, pirates of the Dotonbori. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's the big river in Osaka, and uh, we started that eleven or twelve years ago. And then when I moved to Tokyo, we kind of expanded the brand uh, and made the Tokyo version. Yeah. And you're off to Singapore this. Yeah, this weekend, right. uh, this coming week, it'll be our fifth trip, our fifth tour to Singapore. So we right. we go over there to teach some high school kids about improv, right. uh, and then we take part in like a high school improv tournament. Yeah, and then we tried to lose because we won the first year, and it got kind of embarrassing. Oh, <laughs> so we, we kind of try to lose every year since then. Uh, and we we do some workshops with other groups uh, in Singapore, so it's fun to kind of see what other people are doing. And we try to tack on as many countries. Last year we did Singapore, Manila, and Kuala Lumpur all in one month. Nice, um, it's quite a busy tour. Yeah. And what does your wife say about that? I think she enjoys kind of free time and not having to put up with me uh, <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I think she's okay. I hope so. Yeah, good. About to check. <laughs> Is there a difference in the audiences between those countries, do you think? Or? Yeah, definitely. I, I would even say between Osaka and Tokyo, there's a difference. And so going when we did Manila, we do that every other year. And that audience, I don't know, it, they're like... I've never been to a Southern Baptist church, but like <laughs> right. that would be my impression. Right. 
like uh, Southern Baptist Church slash Jerry Springer audience. And like, okay. if any Filipinos are listening, I, I'm being as nice as possible. That's, I'm, I'm very complimentary. But I remember the first time we toured in Manila, uh, it was like 2013, and we ran out on stage not knowing what to expect. And it was the loudest, most deafening. It's about 500 people in the audience. Wow like slapping the stage laughing um, it gives you goosebumps though right absolutely yeah. absolutely but you know luckily we're improvisers so we had to kind of adjust on how we pull out the suggestions right. here in tokyo it's a very different way to get suggestions from the audience it's like pulling teeth I it's very <laughs> no, no no it's like very complimentary right. so if it was a japanese audience member i would say like you and the lovely blue sweater can you give me a, a okay. an action and yeah. then oh thank you oh my sweater <laughs> you know like you have to kind of pump them up yeah, a little bit before yeah. you can yeah. unlock some suggestions you with a lovely brown eye yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, originally, how did you get into improv? What? Uh... Yeah, um, it's kind of an embarrassing story, I guess. Um, in college, so I did proper stage theater acting, <laughs> and everyone pissed themselves. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, and so my friends kind of said, "Hey, you should do acting." So I did. I did theater acting, some like very. Uh, unique plays like Spanish playwrights, a blood wedding was the name of this one play I was in. And I never messed up a line, but I was that guy who would be behind the curtain with my script, just right. going over it the millisecond before my character had to go on stage, right. just in case. And like, it scared the crap out of everyone else in the production going, yeah. well, he doesn't know his lines. We've been right. rehearsing for yeah. weeks. Right, right. I knew my lines. It was just this comfort, comfort thing. And so I got kind of traumatized by the idea that if i don't say my line of like will you marry me then the co-actor the counterpart can't say yes i will marry you yeah so i could derail the whole thing by doing (laughs) like a scripted play and so that scared me so then i heard about this improv group in in my college and my friends like hey you should audition for this improv group i was like okay so i auditioned it was like a three-day audition process Wow. wow and i failed and I was like, okay, fair what enough. What sort of stuff did they make you do? A lot of like mind games, thinking quickly. Right. Um, you know, it's not about joke telling or movie quoting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I failed that audition. That was my freshman year of college. So I thought, all right, that's not in the cards for me. Right. Sophomore year, I heard about the auditions and they're like, hey, you should audition. And I actually lied and was like, oh, I'm going out of town. Because I, <laughs> I didn't want to go through like the drama yeah, yeah. of not making it again. Well, I think that lie showed that you were quite good at improvising. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> so well, what happened? So I made up some lies like, oh, I'm going out of town. I won't be here. You know, too bad. And, you know, have a good auditions. Then the leader of the group saw me in the supermarket that weekend <laughs> after the first day of auditions. And they were like, oh, I thought you were going out of town. So I thought, oh, crap, I'm busted. <laughs> so they kind of broke the rules and let me come to the second of the three-day auditions. Oh, right, so you oh, skipped the day. I skipped the first day, uh, and they let me go in, and then I auditioned that second year and made it, uh, and the cheesy line of the rest being history. Yeah. yeah. Um, so and how many, sorry, how many years ago was that? Uh, that was 2002. Wow. Right. Yeah. So what... Okay, so you, that's a pretty heavy audition. Like, so that's yeah. a three-day audition. John and I both do stand-up. Yeah. There's no audition. Yeah. You go on stage and they laugh or they don't. And that's yeah. literally yeah. it. So when you're... And now you're running the show, yeah. li- literally, or the show's... Uh, mm-hmm. What are you looking for in an improv performer? Yeah. we. So here in Tokyo, we have auditions roughly once a year. Uh, it's not kind of set in stone. Right. Auditions are actually only three hours. Right. Um, the inside tip, if anyone's listening that wants to auditions, is... We actually pay more attention to what they do during the intermission. Oh, really? Because right. if you're kind of just like 
being rude or being annoying while everyone else is eating snacks and kind of like relaxing. <laughs> yeah. Like we just don't want that energy. Right. Because it's a team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A team player. Yeah. If I, you know, we're going to Singapore, you know, we'll go to New York and we don't want to sit on a flight <laughs> and be <laughs> yeah. stuck with it. They could be amazing yeah, yeah. on stage. Yeah. Super funny. So we have this kind of like unofficial bus test uh, and we basically talk amongst ourselves when everyone leaves is, would you want to sit on a bus with that person? Right. Because uh, we took a bus to Fukushima and did a bunch of shows, and that's like a 12-hour bus. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. And do you want to sit on a bus with, with someone? With that guy or yeah, that girl. Regardless of what they did during the the audition time. Right. If you have some vibe about yeah, the person. Because yeah. improv is different than what you guys do in the sense that it's about the group and the scene yeah. as opposed to like the individual and the joke. Yeah. Right. So we want the audience to leave thinking, oh, that scene was really, really funny. Yeah. Not that guy was really, really yeah. funny. Yeah. Uh, I mean, John, could you, could you see yourself doing it? No. Uh, no. I just, I, yeah. Well, you know me, like I'm very uh, methodical, methodical, even with my standup. Like I write okay. it down to a T and, yeah, but I, I suppose from recently I've done a lot of hosting and you kind of get into that thing. But yeah, I don't know. I feel I'm too introverted to do that. But I know you'd love to. I Yeah. The singing but stuff especially. I'd love, I'm a big, big fan <laughs> okay. of singing. So yeah, yeah. Massive. But I think I'm, well, I'm... I hope I'd pass the bus test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you both oh, yeah, pass yeah. the bus yeah. test. I think you both pass the bus yeah. test, yeah. But I, I think I'm... You, what you just said there about you you don't like as a group you don't want them going away saying that guy or that yep. girl was yep. funny yep. the scene was funny yep. i want them going away saying you. sam o'toole is yeah. very funny <laughs> yeah yeah so, yeah like i mean maybe i could curb that if i was in a group and i probably could to a certain extent but there's always that kind of you failed the audition mate I have, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's too late <laughs> So what places you? I mean, you mentioned Singapore yeah. and uh, Thailand. Uh, no, sorry, uh, Philippines. Philippines. Yeah, we've done twenty-one tours to ten countries. Yep. Um, wow. Have yeah. you taken it to the states? We have. We did yeah. New York. Uh, How did that go? That was actually long form, right? Uh, and that was in New York. Uh, Upright Citizens Brigade. They have this Del Close Marathon. I'm using all these improv terms, but it's like <laughs> it's like the Super Bowl of improv, right? Basically. Right. Um, but it's all long form. So we submitted. Uh, you have to get approved. You have to be selected. We got selected. We went over. Um, it was intimidating to be in the Super Bowl of long form improv. And then we get on stage. And I don't know the audience appropriateness for this podcast, but uh, I walk out. And I'm like, all right, hey, we're from Japan. Give us a suggestion. And the, the audience is like, rape. Oh. <laughs> and like, we don't get that in Tokyo. We don't get yeah. that. In, like, it was very New York. Audience. Wow! Right. Yeah. And then were they ev- talking about the the seed? Yes, or- yes, yeah. yes, yes, exactly. And so, like, I kind of paused and I was like, "Anything else?" And then everyone was like, "That's a really good suggestion. Yeah. We're all yeah. gonna support it." And so we were kind of like deer in headlights. It was a, it was a tough go. Um, the end result was fine, and it was it was a great experience. It's a good feather in the cap for the group. Our first international tour. Uh, was to Beijing and this was after the earthquake the big earthquake Uh, and so everyone's all excited wow we're gonna go on this trip it's gonna be amazing it was like a month after I think the earthquake and uh, first we get there and we meet the the producer the people that brought us over and they made me sign a contract for all of the pirates (laughs) 
which was scary, like the yeah. government. And it was, it's the only public at the time, the only publicly owned, privately owned, sorry. What's the, like the government doesn't own this theater. Right. Privately owned Private, theater. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so they said, you need to sign this contract that you will not talk about Tiananmen Square or Chairman Mao. Or oh, I think Mongolia. I think. Right. And it was like this full on contract. And right. I'm going, oh my God, like what? I'm like, it's improvised. So yeah. I role played with this government official. I said, what happens if the whole <laughs> audience is quiet and one punter says like, Tiananmen Square. Yeah. yeah. Like, what do I do? Yeah. And he goes, you don't hear it. Focus on the shape. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was and I was just like, what okay. So they stood in the back of the audience and like watched everything. I'm not an expert at improv by any means, but there's different types. At all. <laughs> Let's be honest. Oh, well, at all. I have seen whose line is it anyway. I'll have you know. <laughs> the British version or the American version? Uh, both. Oh, okay, go. well, okay. which is better? I mean, I've seen... Uh, well, you're the... Okay, let's go to the expert last. Okay. Okay, so John, which would you... Have you seen both? Yeah, yeah. Okay, which, uh, one, which one do you prefer? I like... Well, actually, the English one, because they've got two American comedians on there. Yeah, Ryan, yeah. Ryan, yep, and Ryan Styles. Ryan yeah. Styles and the other Colin Mockery's Canadian. Colin, oh, yeah. he's Canadian. Sorry. They don't yeah. mind when you mix it no. up. <laughs> 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 I do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm okay. Yeah. Did you spit my beer? <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, yeah, I, pre- I prefer the British one too. Probably biased, but I prefer the British one. But I think it's clear that Ryan Styles is the. F- best guy yeah. at it. He's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So go on, what's the expert's view? I appreciate both for different reasons. I think uh, the British one, it's very intellectual, it's very word heavy, it's very clever. So I, that's up my alley, I think. But I respect the American one because it kind of got it to the masses. It, yeah. it makes, you know, I did improv in the States uh, and a couple other countries and it made it easier to say what I do by referencing whose line is it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than having to explain the whole kind of thing. So I am appreciative of what the American one did. All right, Mike Stafford there from the Pirates of Tokyo Bay. Very good of him to give up his Sunday afternoon to come and chat to us. If you'd like to find out more about them and their shows, go to thepiratesoftokyobay.com. And now a word from this episode's sponsor. live in Japan but wish you were back home? Get down to Mr. Disco's, Roppongi's premier nightclub and bar. We only speak English. Want to meet English teachers? Come on down. Want to see military guys get loose? Come on down. Want to have a chat with investment bankers who are suspiciously stimulated? Come on down. Visit Mr. Disco's. That feels like you never left home. Yo, Johnny McBee and Sammy O.T. Two Prince took a shit over a cup of tea Probably a spot of milk and a crumpet, please But there's someone else cooking in the kitchen Could someone answer the burning question? In this part of the show, we take a burning question and answer it. Uh, that's right. Um, we'd love the listeners to join in. So if you have any ideas for a burning question or if you have an answer for a previous burning question that you want to share, please get in touch. Yep, because the uh, the burning question never closes. So if you're listening to this and you want to answer a question that we've already answered, still feel free to uh, contact us. Yep, exactly. Contact info can be found at johnandsaminjapan.com. All right, so what's this week's burning question then, Sam? Uh, this week's burning question is, what is the biggest cultural faux pas you've ever made? All right, and so this is off Twitter. 
hashtag rich Tokyo said <laughs> I was in Thailand and I got into a fight with a taxi driver because I tapped him on top of the head. Oh, really? Mm, so I think, in... What? I think Buddhist countries, touching the top of people's heads is a big no-no. Oh, is it? Mm. Okay, I think that's good to know. Uh, Jeff from Australia said when he visited Bulgaria, this is quite complicated, in Bulgaria, well, he said he just had like loads of problems because they nod their head to mean no and they shake their head to mean yes. <laughs> so just constantly he said... Every time he made the mistake. Oh, right. Yeah, and I can completely understand that. Uh, what about you? Have you got any uh, cultural faux pas? Um, in Japan? Oh, well, when I first came to Japan, I joined a uh, sports club. And in Japan, they have the sports club always have like these big hot baths, like communal baths. And the first day I kind of went in there after I'd been swimming and I had my swimming trunks on. And I looked at the sign of the door. I said, you know, swimwear must be worn at all times. So I kind of got in the hot bath with my swimwear on and then everybody else was naked and they were all kind of looking at me. I thought it was a bit weird. So I went outside. Uh, Typical checked. bloody foreigner. Yeah, checked. And the sign was in English and it said, you know, uh, swimwear must be worn at all times. So the second day I went and I went back in with my swimwear on and everybody was looking at me and this little old man just said to me, oh, no, 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 no. And then I went outside and I read, I showed him the sign. It said swimwear must be worn at all times. But at the very end of the sentence, instead of a period or a full stop, there was a very tiny X, which meant swimwear <laughs> mustn't be worn at all times. <laughs> so swimwear must be worn at all times, no. not. <laughs> yeah. And then at the end to that story, so I then pulled down my uh, pants to go into the to go into the onsen. And uh, in Japan, sometimes they have like old ladies who clean the men's. Uh, yeah, they're not Rude. shy about that. No. They're having the toilet sometimes. No. You go for a wee and they're just walking around. <laughs> just some old lady stood there. Oh, how are you doing? All right. Uh, how about yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, I've had quite a few. Japan, obviously, there's, it's easy There's uh, to, to make a cultural faux pas. I suppose one of the worst ones I made was um, when my wife was my girlfriend. I went round to her house. I hadn't been in Japan very long. And we were having dinner. And then I, I stood up to go to the loo. And when I did, I stuck my chopsticks in the rice oh. and it's like literally around the table like seven or eight people went <gasps> oh, and I didn't really know what was happening my wife kind of quickly took the chopsticks out of the rice and I went red I didn't even know why I'd gone red <laughs> and I came back anyway, turns out that you only sort of stand your chopsticks in the rice at funerals yeah. so it's like a really kind of bad luck thing to do so well, uh, she still married you yeah yeah and it was cursed and her parents came to the wedding <laughs> yeah they did yeah, <laughs> yeah there were no chopsticks <laughs> just used the spoons <laughs> john 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 said in japan this episode's featured stand-up performer is zara barry an egyptian irish comedian based in london she's very very funny i think you're going to enjoy this Uh, you know, like the shop. Um, but unlike the shop, my name is spelt Z-A-H-R-A. Um, it's an Arabic name, and my Arabic family pronounce it Zahra. <laughs> because they're from Qatar. <laughs> no, they're not, they're not really from Qatar. They're actually from Egypt. Uh, I'm half Egyptian. The other half of me is Irish. Being half Arab and half Irish, I am fully aware that my true vocation in life is terrorism. 
That's what the careers advisor told me anyway. <laughs> Say that to people on public transport, you get surprisingly more legroom. <laughs> but oh, I did consider terrorism as a possible career path. But in this current climate, there's actually quite a lot of competition. So I settled, I settled for a career in stand-up. And it got me thinking, right, stand-up and terrorism are actually quite similar. Um, because both, you have to be good with large crowds. <laughs> it's all in the timing. <laughs> and you have to be willing to die. <laughs> so, yeah. But no, I have had a very Middle Eastern upbringing. It's been more Middle Eastern than Irish. It's definitely been more Sharia law than Murphy's law. Um, for instance, I grew up in Saudi Arabia. Uh, my dad had a job there working with oil. He was a chef. <laughs> no, but growing up in Saudi Arabia is very different to growing up in the UK. For instance, in the UK, teenagers spend all their time smoking weed, getting drunk. In Saudi Arabia, you do get off your head and stoned. Um, <laughs> it's just a bit different. <laughs> Instead of your dad telling you that your skirt was too short, it was the Muslim police in the street telling you, and they were called the Matawi. Which sounds like the Muslim, the only way is Essex, doesn't it? <laughs> I really like the only way is Essex. I watch it all the time. I think it's a really good show. I think it's really important that we're embracing people of colour. <laughs> Celebrating orange people. <laughs> But I live, I don't live in Essex, I live in London. When I moved to London, I was very skint, so I had to move in with my very Egyptian, very Muslim strict aunt. And um, she was very strict. She said stuff to me like, Zahra, Zahra, get married young. Have children young. Get divorced young. <laughs> and then get on with your life. So that's what I'm trying to do, because, you know, every girl wants to find the guy that they will eventually divorce. <laughs> so I, I went on a dating show. I went on a dating show called Dating in the Dark. I actually got scouted by the producers of Dating in the Dark. They said I had a face for Dating in the Dark. <laughs> but if you don't know, the whole premise of the show is that you're going on and you're dating people in the dark. So you're going for people that you wouldn't necessarily find attractive in daylight. <laughs> but it taught me, you know, I shouldn't be so materialistic. Because some men are like a pair of Ugg boots. They look shit, but they feel good inside. <laughs> Zara Barry there, wonderful stuff. Uh, if you like that, you can find more of her work at zarabarry.com. Com. So, John, have you enjoyed today's show? Yep, as always, great stuff. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. That just leaves us time to say thanks to Mike Staffer for coming down and chatting to us about the Pirates of Tokyo Bay and improv comedy. And once more, thanks to Zara Barry for being the featured stand-up performer. All of their information can be found at our website, johnandsaminjapan.com. Yep, and if you'd like us to feature your stand-up or your musical comedy or you'd like to answer the burning question or suggest a burning question, get in touch on social media or again on johnandsaminjapan.com. Com. That's right. And it would really help us out if you would subscribe to our show, review us, give us a five-star rating, and tell all your friends and family and everyone you know. Definitely five-star. <laughs> Definitely five-star. So, that's all from us. Catch you later.
Ron and Sam in Japan, the international comedy podcast.